You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I'm Kim Grenolds at Dogman.com with Mitch Harper, and Mitch runs the BYU site on the 24-7 platform, CougarSportsInsider.com. Big game on Saturday. Kicks off 12.30 Pacific time, 1.30 Mountain time at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. And, Mitch, I think the first question that people haven't really brought up is this will be the first game in a while that Washington has played on grass and Rumors that uh, the BYU coaches kind of like to let that grass get a little longer for those that aren't used to it. Any truth to that? <laughs> you know what, Kim? That's that's a funny point. I, I have heard the the rumors as well that BYU does grow it a little bit longer. Last week against USC, I was on the field pregame at Lavelle Edwards Stadium, and and I'll, I'll admit because I did kind of touch the grass a bit. It, it does feel a little bit long. It's going to be in pristine condition, but. Yeah, it'll be uh, a, a skosh longer than uh, maybe what the uh, you know artificial turf that you're used to at Husky Stadium. Also, just it sounds like they're wearing retro uniforms, retro helmets, retro field, retro end zones. What's going on with the promotion for this game? It's just yeah, Washington. So, What's the big deal? So it's in, in honor of the the college football 150 campaign. BYU's been heavily involved with, with that whole movement, and they're just bringing out a, a throwback helmet that's from the 1960s era and some throwback jerseys. And so, yeah, there's going to be $2 hot dogs for fans. They're going to be in attendance at the game. There's going to be throwback concession stands. There's even going to be, Kim, uh, some throwback stuff in the media booth. I was told by some of the BYU media relations staff that uh, the media that will be in attendance, there will be some – vintage attire and things like that, some gifts for the media. So we should have a pretty good time on Saturday. Now Fetters is going to be mad that he's not making the trip. You didn't have to go there. You know that, right? <laughs> yeah, I, I had to bring that up, though, to make him jealous. Well, last time we were there, they just kept on saying over and over and over in the press box that uh, BYU has the best press box food from anywhere in the country. And I think they had it catered by a Brazilian steakhouse, which was Basically, meat on a stick that they would carve. Are they still doing that? That is true. Yes, uh, Tucanos. They're still doing the Brazilian grill in the pregame, and they will make it known in the press box multiple times, like you said, that uh, they were the ones catering it. It's a pretty good meal. I, I was at Tennessee a couple weeks back, and and uh, I because I, I, sometimes I'm like I get a little bit fatigued with the whole Brazilian grill meal. Like so, sometimes I want to see something different, but then I go to Tennessee, and it was this weird little pasta mix out in Knoxville. I'm like, all right, I shouldn't complain too much. This Brazilian stuff at BYU is pretty good. Of all the guys in the media, maybe a couple hundred people in the UW press box, guess who the guy who cares least about the press box food? Hmm, I'm trying to think. Uh, You're talking to you? him. You're talking to him. <laughs> Care less. <laughs> Give me a Snickers bar and a glass of water, and I'm good to go. Rightfully so. Yeah, but, uh, you know, tell me a little bit more about this, um, you know, 150 uh, with the NCAA, um, you know, what's going to be different? I mean, they're doing the field. They're going to let the grass grow really long. The end zones are going to look different. Uh, anybody coming back? Yeah, it's get, it, Ty Detmer's going to be there, the former BYU Heisman Trophy winner. And, and interesting enough, too, former offensive coordinator under Kalani Sataki just two years ago. And Kalani, 
you know, fired Ty Demmer. So that'll be an interesting dynamic seeing Ty back at BYU. Also, Jason Buck, a former Outland Trophy winner. Uh, he was part of that BYU-Washington game back in the day in 1985. He was along the defensive line. He'll be in attendance. Also, Derwin Gray, a former BYU defensive back who had a little bit of a run in the NFL. So, yeah, BYU's bringing out some of their notable names over the, the past few decades in program history for this really big game. I mean, it's not very often that BYU is getting ranked teams. Well, it's been happening a lot this season, but historically it doesn't happen often where they're getting ranked Power 5 programs into Provo. So it's it's a big event. It's a big deal for BYU. Should be great weather. I think it's going to be a really fun football game. Any Steve Sarkeesian relative sighting? Any any uh, remnant from Steve Sarkeesian? <laughs> no, not that I know of on Steve Sarkeesian. I remember back in 2010, BYU honored all their quarterbacks, and Sark wouldn't come back at, at all because obviously he was the head coach of UW then. But uh, uh, no no Sarkeesian remnants, at least what I, from what I know, uh, what's on the agenda coming up on Saturday. Ah, uh, I'll shoot Steve a note real quick. Give him, <laughs> <laughs> uh, big game again on Saturday at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. Take, give me that, uh, 50 yard line fan in the stand seat of that, you, um, BYU offense. What are we going to see? Yeah, I think this, you know, BYU offense is going to be a lot better than what we saw last year in, in Seattle. BYU, uh, now has a quarterback in Zach Wilson who, some on social media have drawn comparisons to Johnny Manziel just because of his ability to evade a pass rush and make plays on his feet. He's a pretty good athlete. He's a dual threat guy. Uh, so I think that alone gives BYU a better opportunity to be competitive in this game. But I think that, you know, BYU is going to try and establish the run quite a bit early and often with grad transfer running backs, Tyson Williams, who has been a huge uh, boom for BYU, getting him out of the transfer portal. If BYU didn't have him, I think this team might be looking at 0-3 right now. Because of him, they're 2-1 and and feeling pretty confident that they might have a chance uh, to be a little bit more competitive than the odds makers would say against the Huskies. How deep is that running back position? Yeah, yeah the running back position right now, so it goes Tyson Williams, number one, and they got another grad transfer from Rice in Emmanuel Asupa. And then the third running back is Lopini Katoa, a former Oregon State signee out of high school. He's an in-state kid from Utah Signed with Oregon State out of high school, then came to BYU with Kalani Sataki when Kalani became the head coach of the Cougars. They go about three deep, but I would even say within that, though, it's it's the top two guys. The two grad transfers are going to be the guys that you hear the most, uh, you know, running the football. And also Zach Wilson, too. He'll get a few, maybe two to four, you know, design runs thrown his way uh, in, in the game coming up on Saturday. Give us an idea of the offensive line, um, how many of those guys went on missions, how many of those guys are a little bit older. Yeah, so BYU's offensive line, they, they rotate seven guys right now. Five of them, the starting five, they've been pretty consistent, but they'll occasionally rotate two guys in at right tackle spot and then at uh, the left guard position. I'm trying to think off the top of my head as far as the missions go. I know the center, James Empey, he's a guy that was a freshman All-American last year. Uh, he went on a mission, also the left tackle, another freshman All-American, Brady Christensen. He served a mission. They also have at left, or excuse me, right guard, Tristan Hodge, a former Notre Dame uh, rec- player. He was one of the top centers in the class of 2015 in the 24-7 rankings. He didn't serve a mission. Um, other than that, I think everyone else did not serve a mission that's currently on the starting offensive line. So 
relatively younger compared to most BYU offensive lines that maybe the Huskies have seen in the past in this matchup. How good are they? I think they're really good. I think this is the best offensive line BYU's had in the Independence era, and that dates back to 2011. I mean, under Bronco Mendenhall, the previous head coach at BYU, they were a little bit leaner. There was a different approach. They were more of a go-fast, go-hard, tempo-based offense where they're getting 85, 90 plays a game. With Jeff Grimes and Kalani Satake, they've been making a huge focus in the trenches to get these kind of big, humongous offensive lines that you kind of grown accustomed to of BYU teams of old back when Lavelle Edwards was coaching the Cougars. So they're, they're big, they're, they're really good, and they were – they only gave up one sack to a talented Utah defensive line in week one, and I thought they showed out pretty well last week against USC as well. So I think this is a group that feels pretty confident that no matter who they're facing, they can give Zach Wilson enough time and open up some holes for Tyson Williams. Would uh, Should Washington fans expect to see them uh, run the ball on the ground quite a bit or pass the ball more, or are they going to try to stay more balanced? I think that, you know, my thought would be, my initial thought would be that they're going to pass it more. But I kind of feel like this this week they might take a different tune where they try to run the ball uh, early and often, like I said, and I think they are going to make a concerted effort to keep getting Tyson Williams the, the ball because he was a guy early in the season in week one where I think they believed he could be a, a big player for him. But I don't know if the coaching staff truly necessarily believed it because just they hadn't seen him live in a game in their system. Now he's more confident and more comfortable in the offense. I get the sense – uh, Kim, that he's going to be, the BYU is going to be turning to their running backs more in this game and kind of take an old school approach to kind of, you know, ball control and try to keep their defense off the field and limit Washington's offense from being on the field. If Washington's able to take Tyson Williams out of the game, uh, how much of an impact will that have? And if that, you're the defensive coordinator, is that what you're trying to do? Yeah, I think so. I, I think so because I think if you be, make BYU one dimensional, uh, you're going to see kind of an outcome what Utah had against BYU in week one where it was a 30 to 12 game. And you can say, you know, a couple pick sixes would have, you know, made it a different outcome, but BYU was one dimensional in that game and Utah saw everything coming. And and this whole week, BYU's coaching staff has made it clear that, you know, Washington is, is very similar to that of Utah, if, if not better, you know, because of just the, the great coaching staff. And that's one of the things too, is that I think the last two weeks, BYU has outcoached their opposition against Tennessee and USC, uh, that's going to be a tall order against Chris Peterson and Jimmy Lake. So uh, that, that's going to be the challenge for BYU. You said that uh, the BYU outcoached USC. Come on now, that's not that hard. Come on. I mean, <laughs> yeah, seriously. That, that's, that's not too hard at all. Come on. But, uh, but it was pretty clear last week because USC right. got a lot of talent, but uh, completely outcoached, no doubt. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. All right, take me over to the defensive side of the ball. Uh, tell me where the strengths are and a couple of ice, uh, a couple of players to keep an eye on. Yeah, strengths definitely, I think, in the defensive line. Kyrus Tonga, he was a former two-star kid who signed with Utah out of high school, but he has become a, a revelation for BYU. I mean, the, the Cougar coaching staff, they, they are really high on him. He's a junior 
you go and watch the USC game last week, and, and he was dominant. BYU was consistently bringing just a three-man rush, dropping back eight guys in coverage, and they were able to have success with that three-man rush because Kairos Tonga in the middle, a one-tech defensive tackle, was just continuing to create havoc and get in the in the backfield and, and rattle Keaton Slovis. So he's a guy to keep an eye on. I'd also keep an eye on Lorenzo Fawatea, another defensive lineman, he was a former three-star signee, had offers from a, a few Pac-12 schools coming out of the state of Utah. And then I would also keep an eye on Diane Gonwoluku. He's a cornerback for the Cougars, but he's a playmaker. Last week he had an interception. He also had a, a rushing touchdown. BYU occasionally brings him in in some offensive packages. He really can do a lot of different things and make an impact for BYU both offensively, defensively, and special teams. He can do, He's a jack-of-all-trades for BYU, so he's another guy to keep an eye on. I like to ask if you're the offensive coordinator at Washington, what uh, part of the defense do you attack? Last week I asked Jackson Moore from Hawaii, you know, that same question. And he just said, all of it, they're just bad. But uh, I'm guessing that's not going to be the case with BYU this week. Uh, where's the weakness? Where can Washington attack? So it's going to be interesting this week. The, the opposite cornerback spot is one to keep an eye on. BYU is going to be starting a kid, a redshirt freshman and Isaiah Heron. And, and they've had, some issues at that opposite cornerback spot uh, uh, on the opposite side of Diane Gonwoluku. Gonwoluku has been great, but other cornerback spot has been kind of rotating where they've been testing out some junior college transfers. They've played some redshirt freshmen, and now they're starting a, a third new guy at that spot in Isaiah Heron. So that's a spot to attack. I'd also say the linebackers, too. Now, because the linebackers have been successful for the first three weeks, but they're really banged up right now. Uh, I would say three of BYU's linebackers, three of their top six linebackers are injured. So BYU's depth is going to be tested at that spot. So it'll be interesting to see which linebackers for the Cougars are actually able to go uh, this Saturday against the Huskies. So those areas would be spots where if you're Washington's offense, you look to attack on BYU's defense. Anything stand out with the defense? Would you call it a fast defense, uh, more of a slow but physical defense? How would you characterize it? You know, I feel like they're a defense that they're going to give up some big plays. They're going to give up some yards. But when, you know, they have this ability to limit points for their opposition. Because, you know, we've seen, you know, Utah and Tennessee and, and USC, they, they've had some big plays on this on this BYU defense. But the defense is kind of locked up and been able to, hold these teams to either some field goals or or force a turnover when they get into the red zones, things like that. So I think that's been the calling card for this defense is that they'll give up a big play. They they know that's going to happen, but when the chips are down and they need to make a stop and, and the, and the op- offense is moving down the field, they're not going to let them get into the end zone. I think that's been kind of one of the uh, the traits that I've seen so far through the first three weeks. Looking at the weather, it looks like, you know, uh, high 60s, you know, it looks like it's going to be a perfect day for football. The grass is going to be a little bit longer. Um, tell me about people coming into Provo. Does the altitude really make any difference or is that kind of a thing that uh, people like to, you know, people in Utah like to get in the opposition head? Yeah, I, I kind of think it's more a mental thing. I, I just I don't recall many games following BYU over the years where the opposition is just visibly impacted by the the altitude. Now, I do remember last week, USC players in the pregame, they were getting some oxygen tanks warming up. But I, don't, I think that was more just mental. I think they were just kind of no, no, no. it. I, I no, 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 no. That, a... that was just so they looked cool, by the way. <laughs> you know that, right? 
<laughs> yes, I, I've, I've grown to learn that now with you. It's, it's L.A. Okay. But, but I mean, does it make a difference, like, you know, in field goal kicking, punting, kickoffs, the ball flight? I mean, Jacob Eason can really throw. Is he going to get an extra couple yards on his pass? Yeah, I, I I don't think so with the kicking. I mean, BYU, at least for BYU's kickers, up until this year, BYU's kicking has been really bad. So I would say I haven't seen anything to suggest that altitude really has a distinct impact on on, on outcomes or, or performance and kicking. The, the the stats don't bear out that, for at least for BYU, that there's, there's a significant improvement when playing at home. I'll walk briskly from my car to the stadium and see if uh, it has any impact. So, uh, any other f- just fans visiting, Husky fans visiting? You know, we hear all this stuff. You, you, you're definitely not going to be able to get alcohol in the stadium. I'm guessing. Yeah, definitely no alcohol there. But there are some some great bars on Center Street. Uh, there's this like it's a little bit uh, south of the stadium. It's on the street called Center Street. That's I think the go-to spot for Washington fans to to check out some bars, some restaurants, and, uh, you know, get some pregame activities going in, in that area before you head over to the stadium at, at Lavelle River Stadium. There is a, a tailgating lot uh, just south of Lavelle Edwards Stadium where some BYU fans bring their RVs and their tents and things like that. But it's still not a huge tailgating scene at BYU, which is a shame because, you know, I remember going to Washington in 2008. It was so awesome seeing – you know, all the, the tailgating and, and great things that you see in the pregame just makes the, the atmosphere of college football just that much better. But for some reason, that's just never been much of a thing at BYU. All right. Uh, finally, Mitch, tell me what you expect in this game. You know, I think this is a, this is a game, Kim, where I feel like Washington is clearly the better team than BYU. I, I think that BYU has been a team that has been, they found a way to, to dig deep and pull games out late when, you know, when it maybe looks like they're not shouldn't be winning the game like the Tennessee game in particular but I feel like Washington and this coaching staff they're I just feel like BYU has shown when they play consecutive weeks against power five opposition they've usually had a game where they kind of lay an egg now I think they're going to be a little bit more competitive than last year uh you know but I I think this is going to be a game where Washington's comfortably in the lead and I think they end up and maybe BYU tacks on a late touchdown to make the game a little bit closer than it would look I would say Washington 28, BYU 17. I, I think that Washington wins comfortably in this one just because I think BYU's depth is really going to be tested because they're pretty banged up at some spots, particularly at linebacker. Great stuff from Mitch Harper. Thanks for jumping on with us. No problem, Kim. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts.